1: If another disciple sins you must rebuke the offender and if there is repentance you must forgive and if the same person sins against you seven times a day and turns back to you seven times and says I repent you must forgive the Apostle said to the Lord increase our faith the Lord replied If you had faith the size of a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Who among you would say to your slave, who has just come in from plowing or tending sheep in the field, come here at once and take your place at the table? Would you not rather say to him, prepare supper for me, Put on your apron and serve me while I eat and drink. Later you may eat and drink. Do you thank the slave for doing what was commanded? So you also, when you have done all that you were ordered to do, say, we are worthless slaves. We have done only what we ought to have done. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ.
0: You may be seated. Grace and peace to you, my friends in faith. Well, today's actually another special day. day. Today's the running of the Twin Cities Medtronic, uh, Twin Cities Marathon, 26.2 miles. People come from all over to be able to run this race. I signed up to run this marathon once, 16 years ago. I was training with one of my friends, Tim, and through the course of training, you have to kind of ramp up and ramp up and ramp up to the point where we got to the 13-mile run. And when I was, when I finished, I was finished. I said to Tim, how on earth am I going to be able to run twice as far as we just did? But there was a larger excuse that was lingering. You see, the marathon was right around the due date of my oldest daughter. And I wasn't going to miss that moment. So in my head, I think I had already started hedging. Like, why would I do all of this work if there's a really good chance that I won't even be able to run the marathon in the first place? So I halted the training program, and I didn't run. And of course, the race was on Sunday, like today, October 1st at that time. Well, Adina wasn't born until Wednesday the 4th. I would have made it with room to spare. Perhaps I lacked faith that I could complete this task. I I didn't want to invest in all of this effort without the payoff, without the reward. Maybe I should have gone for it. What would have happened if I could have just increased my faith? If I could have just had more faith that, no, don't worry, I wouldn't have missed out on anything. Would I have gone for it? You know, these disciples, when they're presented with a task, when they're presented with something that might be a test of their faith, they realize, well, we don't think we have enough. So, Jesus, we're going to ask for more. They said, increase our faith. And Jesus said, if you had faith the size of a mustard seed, and you could say to the mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. What does that mean? I have no idea what kind of weird metaphor that is. Like, I've never seen a tree just because of my prayer get uprooted into the sea. This is not at all, like, related to natural disasters. This is a weird thing for Jesus to say. So when I was looking at this this past week, Eugene Peterson, who writes a a translation of the Bible called the Message Bible, he offers up this way to look at the passage. He said, the master says, you don't need more faith. There's no more or less in faith. I mean, if you have a bare kernel of faith, just the size of a poppy seed, you could say to this sycamore tree, go jump in the lake, and it would do it. So this is a little bit more helpful to me. I mean, you don't need more faith. It's not like a measurable stat, but he still kind of makes this weird little connection to having this small amount of faith and then being able to have this tree jumping into the water and upridden trees. So I think what's really more important for us to ask isn't like the logistics of how this might happen, but instead to perhaps pause and think of what the disciples are up to. Why did the disciples even need to ask Jesus to increase their faith? You look back a few verses, they're being told about forgiveness. And it's a hard lesson, right? It's this lesson that's really difficult for them to understand. And they want to be prepared for those difficult life lessons. They want to be prepared when their faith is put to the test. How do I forgive someone who continually needs forgiveness? And they might be thinking to themselves, if only I had more spiritual willpower, kind of like the prayer lab minute and all of the messages that we have about all of this thoughts of looking and being enough. I think spiritually they're kind of stuck in that same cycle. They think, well, How am I going to be able to easily forgive my brother? I I need more faith to be able to do that. This example of a mulberry tree or a sycamore tree or a Norwegian pine, I think Jesus' way of saying, not so fast. We have the wrong idea about what faith can do. We don't have a faith that uproots trees. We've heard this parable of the mustard seed moving mountains. We aren't faith magicians. I haven't moved any oak or willow trees. Boy, I wish I could have. But my prayer life hasn't led me down those paths. But I have seen where my prayer life has witnessed healing. Where people have proclaimed to me, wow, the power of prayer uplifted me in the deepest moments of sadness and sorrow. I've personally been able to feel at peace through prayer when I've had to overcome stressful situations. If you have to think about it, faith, metaphorically speaking, is a difference maker. It's a way of life. Faith is having our hearts point towards God. Faith is what gets us through pain when we have to forgive others who've harmed us. We can forgive and not forget. Faith is a conversation partner that we have with God when life doesn't make sense. Faith is what happens when we see destruction of our earth, like the damage from Hurricane Ian, and something clicks and says, you know what? I can help. Faith is about healing. Faith is about helping. Faith is about doing. A pastor who I follow pondered by saying, I'm not sure that a lot of people really want more faith. I was like, well, that's a weird thing to say. Well, they may want more faith because they think it's going to help them out, right? Ah, this faith might help heal someone or a loved one, this faith that's going to help me pass a test, a faith that will give me assurance of eternal life. But do they really want a faith that's going to make them more Christ-like, be more sacrificial in our giving, more sacrificial in our loving, more sacrificial in our forgiving? I'm not sure people really want that. Faith isn't a good luck charm. It's not an insurance policy. Faith is actually a state of being a follower of Christ. What might that look like? I got a phone call earlier this week. Someone told me about an experience that she had last weekend. So she was driving around in Minneapolis, and she was on an unfamiliar street when all of a sudden someone was walking in front of their vehicle in traffic. And so they stopped the car, she got out, and all of a sudden she recognized something, a white cane. This blind man had crossed into traffic, and apparently something in his ear, the listening device was giving him some misinformation, including sending him directly into traffic. She quickly helped him to get across the street And as they talked about where he needed to go, she pointed and said, I think you need to go that way, but I hope that you're, please be careful. The man realized what had happened and realized how close he had come to being hit. So he thanked her profusely and said, you saved my life. Well, she didn't process exactly what had happened until later that night. And then all of a sudden, the things throughout her day started to click into place, you remember what we talked about last Sunday? You remember what the children's sermon was? Remember little Connor with his eyes covered with the blindfold, being led, and not being able to walk anywhere? Kept bumping into stuff, didn't even want to try it until someone came alongside, held his hand, and walked and led him to my voice. The light bulb went off she realized, wow, this is, this is the story come to life. This is exactly the message of faith. Our faith isn't increased by having a blind faith. We aren't coming to church, a church actually named faith after all, to be loaded up with a blind faith that we're just hoping we do the right thing. We aren't begging God for more faith that might just help us succeed all on our own without anybody else to help us. No, you see, our faith gets increased by walking in faith together as a community of believers. Whether we are here in the sanctuary today or watching at home or maybe we're in Sunday school, attending confirmation classes on Wednesday, you know, even if you're watching this worship service after the fact, because you decided to stay home and watch the Viking game or run a marathon. I won't even call it to lay a game on you. Whatever it is, this is a way for us to be able to gather together in faith. You see, faith is a journey, not an asset that we can collect and hoard. Faith isn't a transaction that we receive at baptism like Luke and Parker will later this morning. No, those... Those boys are gonna be welcomed into this community, claimed as beloved children of God that faith is part of their lives forever. But they don't do it alone. They're parents and sponsors, and we as a community of believers, we walk along our children as they grow in faith, as they grow to learn about God's love, to put their trust in God. So did you notice how the story ended today? You know, this part of the passage that we probably don't like to talk about, you know, Jesus talking about the slaves, these workers out in the field, they come in and then they're expected to also put dinner on the table. I mean, that sounds really strange and harsh, right? Jesus, what are you doing? They've been working all day. Why are you still expecting them to do more? Eugene Peterson words it this way. Look, suppose if you, suppose one of you who has a servant comes in from plowing the field or tending the sheep, would you take their coat, set the table and say, sit down and eat? Wouldn't you be more likely to say, prepare dinner, change your clothes, and wait table for me until I finish my coffee, then go to the kitchen and have your supper? Does the servant get special thanks for doing what's expected of him? It's the same with you. When you've done everything everything expected of you, be matter of fact and say the work is done. What we were told to do, we did. We do what is expected of us. My grandpa John had this wise phrase that he would say, do the thing you're supposed to do when you're supposed to do it. The act of faith is a long-term habit. It's not just something we pluck out of the air and say, ooh, I got faith today. We gather in church to be spiritually fed and nourished. We will be challenged We will wrestle with God like so many of the characters that we hear about and learn about in the Bible. But we'll also grow to trust through these continuous conversations with God, with each other, through our own spiritual disciplines, through our own relationships with other people of faith. You wouldn't have shown up to Minneapolis today and say, hey, give me a number, I'm gonna go run the marathon if you hadn't done any training ahead of time. So it is to be a Christian. We don't just randomly show up and say, hey, today, it all makes sense. It's a continual process. Walking together. Life is a marathon, not a sprint. Faith is filled with helpers, members who have the energy to serve, teach, and care for each other. But it's also a place where it's okay to admit that we might need some help making the next step forward. And so our loving God celebrates with us. As we endure the challenges of this world, we get to forge ahead, confident that we have the faith to change the world together. Amen.